0: This is chapter four of the American Claimant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The American Claimant by Mark Twain. Chapter four. The day wore itself out. After dinner, the two friends put in a long and harassing evening trying to decide what to do with the five thousand dollars reward, which they were going to get when they should find one-armed Pete and catch him and prove him to be the right person and extradite him and ship him to Talakwa, in indian territory but there were so many dazzling openings for ready cash that they found it impossible to make up their minds and keep them made up finally mrs sellers grew very weary of it all and said what is the sense in cooking a rabbit before it's caught then the matter was dropped for the time being and all went to bed next morning being persuaded by hawkins the colonel made drawings and specifications and went down and applied for a patent for his toy puzzle, and Hawkins took the toy itself and started out to see what chance there might be to do something with it commercially. He did not have far to go. In a small old wooden shanty, which had once been occupied as a dwelling by some humble negro family, he found a keen-eyed Yankee engaged in repairing cheap chairs and other second-hand furniture. This man examined the toy indifferently, attempted to do the puzzle, found it not so easy as he had expected, grew more interested, and finally emphatically so, achieved a success at last, and asked, Is it patented? Patent applied for. That will answer. What do you want for it? What will it retail for? Well, twenty-five cents, I should think. What will you give for the exclusive right? I couldn't give twenty dollars if I had to pay cash down, but I'll tell you what I'll do i'll make it and market it and pay you five cents royalty on each one washington sighed another dream disappeared no money in the thing so he said all right take it at that draw me a paper he went his way with the paper and dropped the matter out of his mind dropped it out to make room for further attempts to think out the most promising way to invest his half of the reward in case a partnership investment satisfactory to both beneficiaries could not be hit upon. He had not been very long at home when sellers arrived sodden with grief and booming with glad excitement, working both these emotions successfully, sometimes separately, sometimes together. He fell on Hawkins' neck, sobbing, and said, Oh, mourn with me, my friend, mourn for my desolate house. Death has smitten my last kinsman, and I am Earl of Rossmore. Congratulate me.' He turned to his wife, who had entered while this was going on, put his arms about her, and said, "'You will bear up for my sake, my lady. It had to happen. It was decreed.' She bore up very well, and said, "'It's no great loss. Simon Lathers was a poor, well-meaning, useless thing, in no account, and his brother never was worth shucks.' The rightful Earl continued, i am too much prostrated by these conflicting griefs and joys to be able to concentrate my mind upon affairs i will ask our good friend here to break the news by wire or post to the lady gwendolen and instruct her to-what lady gwendolen our poor daughter who alas sally sellers mulberry sellers are you losing your mind there please do not forget who you are and who i am remember your own dignity be considerate also of mine it were best to cease from using my family name now lady rossmore goodness gracious well i never what am i to call you then in private the ordinary terms of endearment will still be admissible to some degree but in public it will be more becoming if your ladyship will speak to me as my lord or your lordship and of me as Rossmore, or the Earl, or his lordship, and—' Oh, scat! I can't ever do it, Barry. But indeed you must, my love. We must live up to our altered position and submit with what grace we may to its requirements. Well, all right, have it your own way. I've never set my wishes against your commands yet, my, uh, my lord, and it's late to begin now, though to my mind it's the rottenest foolishness that ever was.' spoken like my own true wife—there, kiss and be friends again. But Gwendolyn, I don't know how I am ever going to stand that name—why, a body wouldn't know Sally Sellers in it. It's too large for her, kind of like a cherub in an ulster, and it's a most outlandish sort of a name anyway, to my mind. You'll not hear her find fault with it, my lady. That's a true word. She takes to any kind of romantic rubbish like she was born to it. She never got it from me, that's sure, and sending her to that silly college hasn't helped the matter any, just the other way. Now hear her, Hawkins. Rowena Ivanhoe College is the selectest and most aristocratic seat of learning for young ladies in our country. Under no circumstances can a girl get in there unless she is either very rich and fashionable, or can prove four generations of what may be called american nobility castellated college buildings towers and turrets and an imitation moat and everything about the place named out of sir walter scott's books and redolent of royalty and state and style and all the richest girls keep phaetons and coachmen in livery and riding horses with english grooms in plug hats and tight buttoned coats and top-boots and a whip-handle without any whip to it to ride sixty-three feet behind them and they don't learn a blessed thing washington hawkins not a single blessed thing but showy rubbish and unamerican pretentiousness but send for the lady gwendolen do For I reckon the peerage regulations require that she must come home and let on to go into seclusion and mourn for those Arkansas blatherskites she's lost. My darling, blatherskites? Remember, noblesse oblige. There, there, talk to me in your own tongue, Ross. You don't know any other, and you only botch it when you try. Oh, don't stare. It was a slip and no crime. Customs of a lifetime can't be dropped in a second. "'Rossmore, there, now, be appeased, and go along with you and attend to Gwendolen. Are you going to write Washington, or telegraph?' "'He will telegraph, dear.' "'I thought as much,' my lady muttered, as she left the room. "'Wants it, so the address will have to appear on the envelope. It will just make a fool of that child. She'll get it, of course, for if there are any other is there, they'll not be able to claim it.' and just leave her alone to show it around and make the most of it well maybe she's forgivable for that she's so poor and they're so rich of course she's had her share of snubs from the livery flunkey sort and i reckon it's only human to want to get even uncle dan'l was sent with a telegram for although a conspicuous object in a corner of the drawing-room was a telephone hanging on a transmitter Washington found all attempts to raise the central office vain. The colonel grumbled something about its being always out of order when you've got particular and especial use for it, but he didn't explain that one of the reasons for this was that the thing was only a dummy and hadn't any wire attached to it. And yet the colonel often used it, when visitors were present, and seemed to get messages through it. Morning paper and a seal were ordered, then the friends took a rest next afternoon while hawkins by request draped andrew jackson's portrait with crape the rightful earl wrote off the family bereavement to the usurper in england a letter which we have already read he also by letter to the village authorities at duffy's corners arkansas gave order that the remains of the late twins be embalmed by some st louis expert and shipped at once to the usurper with bill then he drafted out the rossmore arms and motto on a great sheet of brown paper and he and hawkins took it to hawkins yankee furniture mender and at the end of an hour came back with a couple of stunning hatchments which they nailed up on the front of the house attractions calculated to draw and they did for it was mainly an idle and shiftless negro neighborhood with plenty of ragged children and indolent dogs to spare for a point of interest like that and keep on sparing them for it Days and days together. The new Earl found, without surprise, this society item in the evening paper, and cut it out and scrapbooked it. By a recent bereavement, our esteemed fellow citizen, Colonel Mulberry Sellers, perpetual member at large of the diplomatic body, succeeds as rightful lord to the great earldom of Rossmore, third by order of precedence in the earldoms of Great Britain and will take early measures, by suit in the House of Lords, to wrest the title and estates from the present usurping holder of them. Until the season of mourning is past, the usual Thursday evening receptions at Rossmore Towers will be discontinued." Lady Rossmore's comment to herself, "'Receptions? People who don't rightly know him may think he is commonplace, but to my mind he is one of the most unusual men I ever saw. As for suddenness and capacity in imagining things, his beat don't exist, I reckon. As like as not, it wouldn't have occurred to anybody else to name this poor old rat-trap Rossmore Towers, but it just comes natural to him. Well, no doubt it's a blessed thing to have an imagination that can always make you satisfied, no matter how you are fixed. Uncle Dave Hopkins used to always say, Turn me into John Calvin, and I want to know which place I'm going to turn me into mulberry sellers and i don't care the rightful earl's comment to himself it's a beautiful name beautiful pity i didn't think of it before i wrote the usurper but i'll be ready for him when he answers End of chapter four